In this episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, we look at new school versus old school leadership, supporting your teams through a crisis, can an automotive salesperson work from home, and has COVID-19 enhanced or destroyed your employee engagement? Let's get into it. Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, the podcast where we get to know and gain insights from leaders within the automotive industry. And today, I'm very excited to have a chat with my guest here today. My guest this week is currently working within the automotive space in a very different capacity than what you might think. And, uh, and I think we could all could really benefit from their insights. Welcome to the podcast, Eleni Drakakis. How are you, Eleni? I'm well, thanks, Cameron. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks very much for being a part of it. I think it's, uh, as I said in the uh, intro, I think we're going to get a lot of great insights out of, out of your background because fair to say, and we'll go into this in a little bit right now, fair to say you come at the, the industry from a different angle, a different pathway from... The, uh, the the stereotypical pathway, fair to say. Absolutely. And I think, you know, so my specialisation is in leadership. And after the last few years of um, supporting and working with the leaders in the automotive industry, I think I can handle my heart say that there is, you know, um, the, the leaders in the automotive industry are very unique and there's, you know, no one quite like them outside of the industry. So I'm really excited about having this chat today. Very good. Well, um, I suppose a great place to start is to is to do that high level, I suppose, overview and, and get an understanding of your background and your experience. Yep. So so take us take us back to the start. So where did it all begin for you? Um, so back to the start. So I think, um, you know, after I left school, I went through um, and did the traditional pathway to becoming a registered psychologist, um, which is actually uh, quite a long pathway. It's about, you know, six years and three degrees worth of study. And when we all go into it, we probably think there's only one type of psychologist. You know, the psychologist that sits people down on the couch, like the one right yeah, behind you yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, partway through, I actually realised that there was another type but all specialty in psychology called organisational psychology, sure. um, which was a really, so I call it now, I label myself as a business psychologist because it's just a bit, um, you know, easier to say and I think makes a little bit more sense. Um, but essentially the type of psychology that I do and the type of psychologist I am is a high-performance psychologist. Um, so I, you know, really have had great opportunity to meet a lot of successful leaders over the time in different industries, as I mentioned earlier, to help them go from good to great. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's one of those things, I think, when when we connected and, and started having a chat, to be fair, I, just like you said there, I was, call it naivety, you call it, uh, call it whatever, I was like, what what is a business psychologist? Like, what what defines a, what defines what a business psychologist does? So, um, what could you go into that in a little absolutely. bit more detail? I absolutely can. So I think the main difference between a business psychologist and a clinical psychologist is I think a business psychologist really looks at the psychology of um, individuals, teams and um, organisations um, as opposed to in a clinical setting where it might be a little bit more remedial um, yeah. and someone has a problem they, they want to fix. Um, usually in the organisational, the business psychology space, um, we're more in the business of kind of helping kind of people who 
it neurotypical or really high performers and really want to use psychology and understanding of behavior to stretch themselves and take themselves to the, the next level and peak performance. So, you know, obviously the car industry is a highly competitive industry and everyone is always looking to get that extra 1% or the edge. So I think that's how I came to kind of um, be connected in with the automotive industry in my career. Yeah, right. sounds, sounds very interesting. So is it, you know, from what from from what you what I take out of it, so it's a, it's 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 obviously helping at the at the one on one level, but it's also helping at the at the higher level. You know, it's looking at cultures, it's looking at it's looking at the environments, it's looking at. Uh, absolutely how everything intertwines with each other absolutely camera so it's anything to do with the people and culture side of things in um, business and organizations so um, from you know recruitment onboarding to one-on-one conversations performance management team building employee engagement culture um, leadership development yeah you know any anything to do with that side of things absolutely yeah Mm. and and I think anyone anyone in our industry knows that the automotive industry is is although it's described as being the car industry, it's really the people industry. So, Absolutely. You know, it is it is a it is purely defined by the 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 organic matter that put a name badge on and and participate in it on a on a day to day basis. So, yeah, very very interesting line of work that you're in. It is. I really love it, and um, it's been it's been great in the automotive industry because I think uh, professionals in automotive have really experienced lots of different types of leadership in their time. So you know, as you mentioned yeah. to me, you've got a long history uh, in the automotive industry, and I'm sure um, you know in previous generations, the style of leadership and the expectations are quite different to what some of us say millennials have today um, when it comes to kind of performance and um, you know performance <laughs> management and just general yeah. performance in the workplace. Absolutely, I think that's a statement of the podcast. I think there's there's been a lot of um, there's been a, there's been a, fair to say there's been a lot of movement on that people space. You know, I think Absolutely. you know you you, you 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 think back to the day that that very dictate dic, dic, dictatorized or direct direct type of leadership uh, versus now. You know, there's there's a uh, you know there's you know we've we've had to we've had to change we've we've changed because we've had to. You know, the industry has had to gravitate to uh, keeping their people engaged. There's, you know, there's um, there's some organisations out there that run, uh, they've got diversity programs, they've got, you know, e- equal opportunity, employment opportunities, uh, pay scaling. The whole, the whole thing is, I think, is really culminating to be the automotive industry being the best version of itself. Um, yeah, we, just, we just need to keep that momentum going, don't we? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, some of my professional background is in the um, diversity and inclusion space. So I've held roles um, in kind of energy and heavy industry companies in the past that have been purely focused on trying to engage and retain more women in senior leadership roles and also looking at how we can drive more flexible work arrangements, um, you know, through our workforces. So, um, yeah, you know, as well as a mental health component, obviously I talk about that quite a bit. 
bit as a psychologist. I really enjoyed, um, you know, being able to meet the auto industry leaders where they're at and have some of these conversations in, you know, profitability and, and financial-based forums and really um, helping the leaders um, make and the dealer groups make the connection um, that when we don't just do this people stuff because it's nice to have or we should do it or we've got to be politically correct. Yeah. Um, we do it because having a good grasp on it and having it in your leadership toolbox and artillery is actually going to, um, you know, lead your dealership to better performance and to outperform your competitors and better customers experiences so, Abs- uh, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah it's a very you know i think the industry you know if you think back to you know as we were talking before you think back to the stereotypical old sales manager service manager dealer principal whatever it, you know i think they they would probably put the stuff that we're talking about in the fluffy box you know that's fluffy stuff we don't need yeah. to focus on that we just need to sell more cars service more cars yeah yada 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 um we're now you know, I, I think I was only reading something last week that said, you know, irrespective of what job you're performing, if you've got high levels of emotional intelligence, you're pretty much guaranteed to be a successful person in that space. You know, it's, oh. it's, it's, a, it's a where, you know, emotional intelligence was probably a word that we, <laughs> the 10 years ago, it was like no one could even define probably what it was in the automotive industry. Absolutely. And I think we really have come such a long way in understanding that having that empathy and that emotional intelligence in our toolbox is, you know, what makes all the difference. And, you know, leaders and men who have a strong understanding of emotions, that's actually going to give you the edge as a leader and as a high performer. If you can, you know, use that information in the right way to get outcomes and um, keep everyone happy and engaged. So we talk a lot about in, in my dealer group sessions on how to, you know, flex that empathy muscle and um, build more of that resilience and positivity through through teams and conversations. Yeah, so you're seeing in your line of work that that's that's more it's more it's more mainstream thinking now. Like it's it, the the uptake in it is is more than what it's ever been. Absolutely. And I think what really encourages me is just that we're talking about this stuff now, Um, whereas I think it just wouldn't have been on the kind of main serious topic of the agenda in the past. Um, Yeah. yeah. So I'm just really, really impressed because I think maybe in the past, a lot of leaders in the industry maybe never went and got formalised leadership training and they just really learnt through trial and error having some horrible dictator-style bosses where they learned maybe what not to do. And yeah. I'm just really impressed by, you know, the, the get-go and the self-starting initiative in the, in the leaders in the industry and how a lot of the leaders have really sought out and uh, self-educated themselves on a lot of these kind of emotional intelligence options and have really tried to kind of bring them into their business and leadership style. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? And I think, you know, it's it's a lot like our customers. You know, our customers now are well-educated because of the resources that they have available generally in their pocket. Yeah. Um, and I, I think anyone in anyone in the world today has the same, you know, if you want to know about any subject matter, irrespective of what it is, you know, hey, Google, it can work, can't it? So, you know, it... If you, the more you want to know about it, the deep, the deeper you dive into it, the more you get to learn, and the more aware you you are of, of, um, of you know different points of view when it comes to, when it comes to leadership and how do you manage people. And you, I think back to, you know, you, you think back to the back of the day. You know, my father and my and my grandfather before him. You know, who, who taught my grandfather how to run a business? 
I can't answer that question. He he learned it all through. I would suggest he learned it through trial and error. So, yeah. um, so when it came time to hand that business over to my father, who he he passed that down, but you, you're still getting it's a it's a, still a very narrow field of being mentored, isn't it? You know, it's absolutely yeah. So it's it's good to see that we can open the we can open the curtains up and look out the window, and there's a different world out there. Definitely, definitely. But I think, as you said, something that I've noticed that's quite prevalent in the car industry is that family culture in dealerships. And I think, you know, that's so important when a customer walks into the dealership to, you know, feel like part of the family. So um, I suppose just, you know, going off from what you were talking about, about customers, I have noticed like across many brands in the industry that uh, customer is really at the heart of everything. So uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the connection between, you know, the role of a leader is to make sure your employees are happy and productive. So if as a leader you are driving a good employee experience, um, then your employees and your team are in the best space to actually, um, you know, provide that superior uh, experience to your customers. So good leadership leads to good employee engagement and experience and your customer experience. And your bottom line, the profitability should all fall out of that quite seamlessly. And if you're doing all the right behaviours in the right way, you should, you know, be able to month on month drive that consistency in performance as much as possible um, with the current conditions through the dealership. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very um, stability breeds stability, doesn't it? You know, like mm-hmm. the, that that whole um, that whole methodology. You know, you, you 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 if the temperament of the of the leader of the business is stable and consistent, then that will drive that through all the way down through to the through to the receptionist and, and, and yard hand, you know, it, it, and everyone in between. It's, Absolutely. A, uh, it's, definitely a, it's definitely an attribute that I've seen when, when, you, when you have a business like both of ours where, you know, you, you're in multiple businesses and, you know, you visit multiple environments on a, on a daily basis. You can – human beings have a great um, ability to uh, per, have perception and to pick up these attributes within these within these environments, don't we? Absolutely. We're very instinctive. And again, that's what I'd say is a really, I think, good trait of a lot of leaders in the motor industry. Um, that I've, I've found that they operate on their instincts, you know, and they, they, they do build up that what we call in psychology educated gut feel. So over time and experience, um, you do learn through trial and error. And then, you know, through the years, you do actually go on your instinct and your gut and you just know the right behaviour, the right response in the moment to drive that positive team culture. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're talking, obviously, it is, it is early July 2020. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> it, is, it is in a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very fluid time to be, uh, to be alive on the planet necessarily and in the automotive industry in Australia, um, how how have you seen how have you seen COVID affect um, the the people side of of the of the workplace in our industry from from what you've seen in the last four months? Look, I think the job was a real game changer in the industry. So I think you know in those few weeks and days before the job keeper came in, I think there was a lot of panic, and I did have my customers call me and say. Eleni, I've never been in this situation before where I am potentially looking at having to get rid of really strong 
um, and high performance. Um, you know, people who have really backed me and are a really strong part of the team, um, you know, how do I make these announcements? How do I support my people? How do I do what's right for them? So I think... Um, there was just a lot of concern at that stage. There was a lot of stress at that stage. So my customers saying to me things like, oh, you know, I look around me and my team and the, the other dealers that I'm talking to, they're just um, having one shot of coffee after the next. And this is the time when we really need to, you know, try to be zen and relax and drink more water and just, you know, yeah. be, be our best version of ourselves because we've never encountered this kind of situation and we don't know which way to go. So I think obviously initially it was a really big concern for a lot of the, the leaders and the dealers in the industry around how to best look after their people um, while also obviously keeping their business and their dealerships afloat and open at this uh, point in time. Uh, I think once we got through that and we knew that JobKeeper was coming, I think actually what we've seen is... Um, that need to embrace flexible working arrangements, which I think is super positive. Uh, some of my customers who operate the seven-day operations, say down in Sydney, I noticed they were doing things like actually closing on a Sunday, opening back up again on Monday and Tuesday, um, closing the dealership again on Wednesday and reopening Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, and I know a variety of customers that I've spoken to have, um, you know, put in place various things for their workforce. So I think that's actually been a really positive thing. I don't know what you think about that and what you've heard, but are you seeing more examples of that uh, absolutely. flexible working yeah. come yeah, through? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's uh, you know the, the 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 industry in a way has been an industry that has only changed when it's absolutely had to. That's <laughs> yeah. that's been the, that's been the car industry, right? It's yeah, and, that's true. And I think we've one. One of the things that one of the things that I think we've really learnt out of COVID is that that change necessarily isn't bad. Change is good. You know, let's let's challenge what we do and think about our business differently. And uh, I, you know, and there were like think, thinking back to the time when there was that few weeks, as you say, when before before JobKeeper was announced, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of uncertainty in the world. Um, you know, businesses were thinking, I know some of my clients were saying, we've planned to be closed for three yeah. months. You know, think uh, that's what was, that's what we were thinking back then. And, and then obviously JobKeeper kicked in and, and, you know, it was a bit more programmed, a little bit more settled, but, you know, we've, we've had to send, we've, we've sent people home. We've said, okay, Mr. Salesperson, work from home. When when would we have thought that that was something possible prior to this? Absolutely. Like before COVID, I'd have dealer principals say to me, Eleni, you can only be a full-time salesperson. It doesn't work unless you're full-time. You've got to be at the dealership kind of at the ready to go whenever a customer walks in. And, um, yeah, I think kind of COVID has really challenged that notion, hasn't it? It is, and there, are mm. few, there. I can say I've spoken to a. I've spoken to a lot of clients. You know, we've, the last couple of weeks we've been able to get out and visit people again without a, a high level of anxiety that might have been in place before. And I've I've spoken to I've spoken to clients about could you have your sales force working from home? And there and there 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 are there are people there that have said, I think it's possible. 
Absolutely. There, Absolutely. there are also people they're saying, I don't think it's possible. But I, I would say for me, my, my viewpoint on it is probably similar to yours where, you know, we're, we're a performance-based environment. Mm-hmm. The car industry has always been about performance. Yes. And if you have a salesperson that uh, turns up and punches a clock every day and you're measuring him on performance or her on performance, yep. or you have someone that works from home, manages their own time, manages their own appointment book and is still managed on performance. Yeah. How, how is that different? Exactly. Your high performer will always find a way, you know, yeah. and high performers thrive on challenges and situations exactly like this. So I think yeah. what we've actually seen is um, the real cream of the crop kind of rising up through this kind of situation. And you kind of do, um, you know, get to see people's level of resilience, how self-motivated they are, where some of these blockers are around motivation, um, how well people adapt to change, as you've mentioned. Um, So, so yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see off the back of this, which of the flexible work practices uh, are the ones that kind of stick around and where do they stick around in which kind of businesses, brands kind of tiers in the industry um, versus which ones kind of fall off again. So um, that's something that I'm looking at very closely. Um, I think another thing now that we're seeing in the financial year and that really strong uptick in the instant asset write-off, just, you know, so pleased that we've been able to find um, a silver lining to this cloud and this gloom. Um, But I think really the next thing obviously is come 1st of October, what are things going to look like? And um, I think what we really need to do as an industry is, you know, put our heads together and, you know, get together at that peer, at that leadership level and, um, you know, manufacturers and dealers working together. Um, So as an industry, we can really put a good plan of attack together for quarter four and the start of next year. Um, Because, you know, I know AADA was saying, yeah, I know we've had a good month or two, but it's still lower than, you know, what was going on last year. And, um, you know what I mean? We can't get that false sense of security at the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of that that result was, I think, from memory, was was 6.4% down. So... If you if you'd said if you'd said back in March that we'd be only six point four percent down in June, you would you would sign that off, wouldn't you? You would say, "Well, I'll take that, considering the the the, the world is coming to an end." Absolutely. And, but yeah, you're right. Like it is a and and that six point four percent result, I could say, is being done a, a lot more efficiently than what. The, the the result from last June was performed. You know, I've mm-hmm. had had chats with some dealer principals that, are, you know, are running it running their businesses on like thirty less thirty percent less staff in the sales side. So, absolutely, and I think that is the mantra of some of the you know the big guns out there in the industry. They'll, they'll say in their advice is, you know, that bottom thirty percent. If you don't have to have them there, like I know that's really harsh to say, but in these kind of conditions, if you're going to survive and thrive, you've got to make some of those cutthroat decisions. And if people aren't on the bus, like, you know, everyone's got to be on the bus and everyone's got to be pulling their weight. And, you know, we've all had to turn into lean, mean fighting machines um, in our businesses and the way we've run things in order to survive and thrive. If you're enjoying this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and not miss a future episode.
If you'd like to know more about automotive talent and how we can assist you in the future, please don't hesitate to hit the contact link in the show notes. Back to the episode. One thing that you've probably seen as well, that, and is that I, from my from my what I've seen in the last few months is how how an organisation has coped with with the with the, the challenge crisis. Yeah, has re- either cemented their brand to their people, or has done the complete opposite. Have you seen the same thing? Absolutely. And I think, you know, the main thing that comes to mind to me when, when you just said that then is um, leaders and organisations who are taking decisive action. So, you know, even if in the end it isn't the best option or direction, as a leader you have to be decisive and commit to action as a result of whatever's coming at you out there. So, yeah, I personally think that the um, the kind of the bodies that were able to kind of take stock of the situation and make some hard, fast kind of rules for governing how people were going to make, especially people, decisions at this time, I think they've been the ones that have come out of this quite quite well on the other side from what I'm seeing. Yeah, I believe so too. I think, And to the point where I've I've actually heard anecdotally that, passed on to the customer yes so uh, as the, the the story goes um the you know the organization said okay this is this is the challenge this is what we're going to do and and stayed stayed true to that course and a customer heard about the brand loyalty that was generated from that and, and he was a business manager in the dealership in Sydney and said, my company has done this for us. And that customer said, how good is that? This, I've given this organisation my business and that's just, reaff- that's just said to me that this, that was the right decision that I've made through purchasing a, a vehicle from this business. It's, 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 it's transcended the people that have employee numbers. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that social responsibility and that ethical leadership and just people really look to leaders and brands and, you know, companies now, they look to leaders, like even in place of political leaders and, you know, government leaders now. And they really look at, you know, what does this company or what does this person stand for? And do I want to buy into this type thing? So, you know, and I know that can be a very kind of confronting conversation to have, say, especially in, in an industry like the motor industry, which you know, could have in the past been very commercially driven, when you actually see some of the the drivers of what drives kind of um, consumer sentiment and customer buying behaviour, you know, actually things like corporate social responsibility, um, the employee engagement, some of those kind of fluffier, traditional fluffier metrics that actually have quite a big impact on um, customers' buying behaviour. So that's interesting that you're seeing that in in practice. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's you know, I think inevitably, inevitably, irrespective of the size of the business or the industry you're in, people, you know, the old analogy still rings true, doesn't it? People do, people do business with people, people work for people. It is all a, it is all a two feet and a heartbeat business when it comes to our world, definitely. Absolutely. It's all about people. It's all about the people. <laughs> what, and what is it, what, in your opinion, from what you've seen, what, what makes, what makes an environment great nowadays? Like what, what really, 
you know, thinking about, you know, what does the ideal, what does the ideal sort of culture of a business look like for you in our world? Look, I think, as you said, it's got to be a work hard, play hard culture. So this industry is performance based and I think you never want to take that away. So I really believe in that culture of high performance, but with the lens of ethical and values placed over the top of it, right? So, um, yes, we've all got to be here to work hard and get results, but we want to make sure that everyone is aligned in the way we go about getting those outcomes, our behaviours and what we believe in. So I'm sure you've seen, you know, quite a difference as well over the years in terms of the way people recruit and probably more emphasis now on cultural and motivational fit um, as opposed to in the past maybe where it was just like, has this person been a yeah. you know, salesperson before? Have they got a good track record? Yeah. Um, sometimes actually we don't want that now we want to take a blank slate and be able to mold that slate into um, the way that we do things around here type thing so I think that cultural element and that high performance element um, yeah is a perfect fit for the car industry yeah it's definitely changing isn't it you know like you look at and there's so many there's things that are actually changing that I think will continue to drive that change so you look at say for example you look at Honda and mm-hmm. Honda are going down that agency model which yes which basically means that the price of a car is immaterial. You know, you, you can negotiate on that trade-in price perhaps, but, um, but you know, the, whether you, if you buy that vehicle there or there or there, it's going to be the same car, same price, irrespective. So uh, a lot of the time that a customer spends in our world is that back and forth, isn't it? And, and the, uh, I think when it comes to relationship building, transparency is always key. You know, you... You have relationships and you have a connection with someone that is trust through transparency. And I think the the biggest one of the biggest um, factors for for a um, for a consumer is that you know right now when they go and and they go to you know the standard metric is that a customer will visit two point three dealerships. Um, so a customer thinks why. Why, when I ask for the same car with the same specification, I get three different prices? Yep. And that doesn't build, that doesn't build that trust and connection. So, so That's yeah. It. And I think it's very confusing. You know, before you start working in the industry, you don't understand how it works. So, um, you know, to me, when I really started getting into things and I just understood the landscape in terms of stakeholders um, and, you know, the whole manufacturer and the, and the dealership kind of, you know, thing, um, one senior leader said to me, he goes, Eleni, you know, we all want the same outcomes. We just fight over who pays for, pays for different things. And I was like, yeah, that's so true really, you know? And so I think in this industry, it's always that balancing act, isn't it? Like just the way you report things, the way you work together on outcomes, yeah, the way you understand, you know, the customer understands things and warranties and all that stuff it can be, it's just a very actually complex stakeholder environment and I think there are a lot of demands on leaders in the industry and it is actually you know and then you put all the the government stuff all over the top of it and finance like it's actually a very a very complex business absolutely yeah absolutely now, now yeah. in a very unstable kind of economy as well so it ain't for the faint-hearted that's for sure yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think coming back to what we were talking about before, you know, like yeah. if in, in a world where price isn't, isn't a part of the discussion and it becomes about the relationship, for me, the way I think about it is in, if you're a business leader and you're driving strong relationships with your people, then that 
that attribute will drive a strong relationship with your external person that visits your business to do to have custom with you so it's relationship the relationship and the connection to your people has never been more important i don't feel in in our world absolutely i second that oh good i told you we were on the same one (laughs) definitely and what do you what do you think what do you think the you know the the the, the car industry or a stereotypical dealership in 20 years from now, what can you, how, how good's the reception of your, your crystal ball? Like, can you, can you, from what you've seen, can you, can you, what from you, from your insight, what would you say that would look like that picture? Would it be the same or same as now or, or would it be different? I think it's going to be same, but different. So I think, you know, people are always going to be at the heart of things but I think the way we do our business is going to look very differently. So, you know, there's a lot of disruption technology, as you said, the the models in which some of the brands are moving towards is going to impact things. Um, But I think, you know, we've got actually a very traditional customer base here in Australia. So I think that's going to be really interesting around um, the mix of vehicles that someone is going to be driving in the future. You know, the government's quite conservative in some ways around, um, you know, bringing in new things. So I think that that people and that trust and that transparency in the relationship, it's still very much going to be at the heart of things, Um, you know, no matter how it looks in the future I think um, if the industry can keep it all about the people I think that's going to be a very kind of strong uh, foundation I, I, I believe you're right there too you know for me it's I think you know the I, I, from from previous experience I think will will the will the automotive industry transition in the next 20 years to be a hundred percent online i i don't feel that will that will happen you know i know the, the the tried and true cliche is that when someone purchases a car it's the biggest it's the second biggest purchase they'll ever make and i suppose in today's market it could be the biggest purchase purchase they ever make like um you know young people getting into the housing market these days but the um i think i think people will always want to touch and feel and take that you know they want they want someone to be a part of the process to i suppose reinforce their decision that they're making is the right one rather than jumping on toyota.com.au and and ordering a prado and getting it delivered on this day you know without any human involved involvement at all that's it look i think technology is great it gives us a lot of options but I think at the end of the day we're humans and we all want connection so we want that opportunity to buy into the dealership family we want that opportunity to buy into the brand uh, you know I think things like subscription-based models and having the opportunity to uh, get to know the brand better through multiple products like I I think that's very exciting myself as a as a millennial um, but I think you know hasn't it been quite cool through COVID that uh, all of a sudden we're not jumping on planes anymore. We're getting back into our cars and going on road trips. So, um, you know, I think that's great. Yeah. Bring back the, uh, bring back the good old family weekend road trip. Like we were when we were, when we were kids, isn't it? You know, that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. Good for good for everyone to kind of um, you know back back Australian made and you know just just get back into all the beauty of our, of our country and what we've got to offer here and you know Cameron like I remember I was working at a um, a global consultancy at the time um, when kind of manufacturing of 
of cars was finishing up in Australia and we were doing a lot of the outplacement at that time and you know I'm really interested to see now with everything that's going on in the world is there a possibility to bring things back more locally to the you know making vehicles here what do you think of that do you think that's ever going to happen I think uh, I think we will be um, I think we'll be less reliant on I think we'll be less reliant on um, you know importing I think you know I think yeah you know you the the I think that right now there's a great opportunity like you look at you know you look at the way vehicles are these days you know they're not just a uh, they're not just a combustion engine wrapped in metal you know there's there's so much technology in them now. Um, you know, you, you look at you look at your brands like your Teslas. Um, there's a lot of boutique hybrid brands popping up all over the world. Whatever demographic they're in, whether it's a truck or a, a pickup or uh, you know regular mainstream passenger cars, I think Australia Australia has such a strong manufacturing uh, history, mm-hmm. and ability, and and. You know, there is no reason why that we couldn't pop up a, a, a you know, a hybrid brand, for example, or, or, a, or an electric brand. Um, the technology is readily available. Um, we've definitely got the smarts to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it, it would be great if the government kicked in and said, let's support, let's get, let's get Broadmeadows up and running again, or let's get Elizabeth at South Australia up and running again. We've got these... We've got these great facilities. There's no reason why we sort of can't use them in a way and the skill set that, that we've developed over the last 80 years. Exactly. Um, but, um, yeah, I think we've, we've got to get through COVID first maybe. Exactly. We do have to get through COVID. But I think, you know, it's brought up that everything's in the mix and, every, you know, we've yeah. got to look at everything really Absolutely, now yeah. to, to yeah. survive and thrive into the future. So, Yep, it's going to be very interesting times, isn't it? Even in three months' time, six months' time, nine months' time, one year from now. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I think, and like ment- the mental health part of it, like you, you know, that's it's a it's a constantly, it's one of those things that you can't. Um, mental health, I think, one of the great things, as we said, I think prior to we jump jumping on to to this discussion, is that it's a it's a topic that that back in the day wasn't discussed. It was a shame. It was a, a, there was a stigma attached to it where nowadays it, nowadays it is something that people are prepared to talk about and be more vulnerable about. And I, I see that as only being a absolute good thing. Um, Me too. Me too. I'm just so proud of the leaders and the men in the industry for, you know, being brave enough to kind of go there and just the support and care that I hear the leaders have for their people, you know, them telling me stories about, you know, what their team are going through and how they really want to try to support them in the best way possible. And, you know, um, in practical ways and, um, you know, trying to self-educate themselves more, understanding pathways of referral and just, as you said, bringing it out into the open, I think is just the the single most, you know, biggest positive thing. And I, I think, you know, you're saying this this is a people industry and I think at times like this we need connection and we need to continue to look for um, all these positive points of connections and if we have to do it in an alternative way, we have to, but we can't stop connecting just because the face-to-face people option isn't always there because, yeah. you know, now is a time when we need to put our heads together more than ever for mental health but also for the innovative solutions so as an industry we can be best placed moving forward. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And and in an industry that has been, you know, yes, it's different nowadays, but it has been in the past. It has been a very masculine orientated mm-hmm. industry and, and discussing it has always been that it's been a taboo subject, hasn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the great byproducts of the of the last few years is 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 the is the more openness and more vulnerability that people are prepared to display in a, in a public setting. Absolutely, and actually, that recognition, that being vulnerable, being self-aware, and that emotional intelligence is actually such a critical component of leadership and high performance. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to embrace it to be able to kind of, you know, unlock that extra one percent and, and really yeah. get through these times. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a uh, it's a great message to uh, it's a great message to keep broadcasting out there. I think so. It's been good to talk about it today. Absolutely, uh, and I've really appreciated uh, I've really appreciated your time, Eleni. So, um, I always give the person I'm chatting to a bit of an opportunity to to put themselves out there. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, we've covered off a lot, and 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 you've got uh, a lot of value to add to I think a lot of organisations out there. So, how how do people get in touch with you if they'd like to continue a conversation with you on uh, on anything on anything that you can bring? Yeah, so um, you can find out more about me through my website. So I really uh, put quite a bit of time and effort into personalising my website so that if someone goes on there, they can really, you know, find out a little bit more about me and the types of services I offer. And I've really worked hard in the past year or so in terms of building my uh, personal brand and professional image. So, um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, and I'm just self-titled. So it's elenitrakakis.co, which is my website. And, um, yeah, I'm um, under my name on all the socials. So I'm sure you'll you'll pop that if you could just pop that on in the bottom of the link or something like that. I will do. I will do. Easy for people. I can and concur. The website is very. The website is very good. I'll put. We'll put a link to the website in the uh, in the show notes so that they can you, people can get in touch with you very very directly. It's good. It's a very good website. Thank you. And um, I'm really pleased to see so many dealer principals and leaders in the industry hanging out on LinkedIn and social media and also um, trying to drive that, you know, the the digital footprint of their dealerships, Uh, you know, not only in the traditional kind of advertising way, but just now more organically in terms of showing more of that culture out there online. So I think that's another thing. That's a whole other topic in and of itself for another day. Well, we can. Uh, we, we, there's no rule about guests only appearing once, Eleni. So more than happy to, more than happy to have you back and talk about that sort of thing. But I agree with you. I think there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a movement out there. I think mm-hmm. you know we're, we're, um, you know, I, I think part of part of the byproduct of COVID is that we're, I think maybe at the start we felt like we're in a rowboat and we're in the ocean and we're bobbing up and down and we're the only person in that rowboat. But I think we've figured out that there's a lot of people in that same rowboat. And um, with uh, with everyone with everyone chipping in, then we will get we will get to that island paradise and live happily ever after. We will, and probably even um, you know better than we ever thought we could um, thrive as well and survive through this. So yeah. um, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Absolutely. I don't know the um, but you look back to the previous challenges, and obviously COVID is a unique one. But you look back to. You look back to the GFC, to GST coming in, everyone thought the mm-hmm. world would come to an end. You look back to all of these significant milestones that we've said, oh, you know, this is a big challenge. They're, they're, 
we've actually been we've actually come out the other end way better than what we went into it and i i believe that i believe that covid is going to be no exception to that yeah i agree with you i think we're in a really resilient you know we have a lot of resilient people in this industry and um, yeah i think i think it is going to really it's really going to separate the different players i think this kind of um you know situation doesn't that it really you know shows what people are made of so absolutely thank you so much for having me and um yeah love to come back at any time to have another chat it's been great cameron thank you appreciate your time too alani thank you very much for participating pleasure thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the podcast wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If you're interested in learning more about how automotive talent can add value for you or your business, please make contact through the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care and happy trading.